services for Jesus in Jerusalem. We went to Judea. We went to uh, Samaria and all Judea. And then today, I want us to come to that, uh, to go and look at what it means to be Jesus' witnesses to the ends of the earth. That's what we are going to do. We're not going to have so many slides today. We try, we're going to go the old way, the ancestors' way. <laughs> but that's the series we are on, and from the book of Acts and uh, Matthew 28, like Lena, Lena said. I want us to do our first reading from the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 8. The Bible says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So our focus today is about the church that has been sent to the ends of the earth as a church. And how does that look like uh, for you and me? And I, I think my line of thought in this series, I mean in the sharing today, is about uh, so much about the marching orders of the church. Now we understand that God is has sent us to the ends of the earth as his ambassadors as his witnesses to go and reach out to the entire world, to the ends of the world, for him. So we have the marching orders. The orders or the commission, the vision, the mission, for us to be able to march on as the church, individually, and as, a, as the entire group, to be able to go and reach out for Jesus to the ends of the earth. So that mission gives us power to move, gives us the drive. To be able to move as we go to the ends of the earth, we have a mission. And we are in, in a message today, we are going to go and look at this mission that Jesus has given to us. So many people are able to do the impossibles because of the mission that gives them a drive. When you have a motivation, when you have a vision, that vision motivates you and propels you to do things that may seem to be impossible by other people. Things that could be sort of dangerous. Things that could be like, I can't do that. Somebody would say, I can never do that. But you know that there's always a drive and a vision. There's always a power that forces you or pushes you to do things that may seem to be impossible. And I want you, I want you to look at this clip and look at this, how people could do things that are beyond imagination because of the mission and the motivation that is within what they are doing. Let us watch this clip. Both those guys had a mission. Their mission was to get to that building before somebody got on that. And you understand that, that was, that's like the tallest skyscraper in the world, that is Dubai. And those guys, they had to get to that floor before, you know, a certain end of time, before somebody got on that. So we have two people. One was like a technology genius who had to figure out on how to manipulate the elevator to be able to get to that uh, floor on time. But he was not going to get to that, to that floor on time. And then we have Ethan, who was supposed to get to that place, and he had to make up his own plans, you know. You saw him swinging in the air to be able to get to that floor. <laughs> and the mission was possible. They got to that floor on time. Both these guys, different capacity, different skills, different strength they had, 
but they had one mission in common to be able to get to that flow. And that mission was that motivating factor to take so much risks. Amen. And now we also have been given a mission. We have a mission. We have a mandate. And just like it is in life, you know, when you have something that you want to do, you do it at all costs. An example of people in love, like two lovers, they do so much. They, one can travel from, from, from Ndola to Livingstone without even having so much, so much on faith and just little budget to be able to gauge to where their friend, their partner is. Do I have people who can do impossibles for love? <laughs> I know, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> Okay, uh, you can even cycle from here to Kitwe just to make the mission possible. <laughs> just because there's something so motivating you. Do I have people in this place who have done things that are so crazy just because the mission was too good such that they could not let go of it? You are not part of that. You should ask me. <laughs> Maybe I'm the only one in this place. Maybe me and Melina are the only people in this place. All right. So you understand that um, now the mission that we have, we started by scripture that said you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, when has come on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The reason for which the Holy Spirit was to come or is to come was so as to empower us to fulfill the mission. So the Holy Spirit that we will receive is, He empowers us for service. The Holy Spirit does not just come to fill you so that you feel good, so that you know, like uh, shine only for other people and be able to speak in all these different languages. The Holy Spirit comes in order to empower you for service. He comes on you and me to prepare us to fulfill the mandate and the mission that God has seen it fit that you and I should be born. It is because of the purpose for which you and I exist. You know, if you are in this place and you are filled with the Holy Spirit, and probably you are suffering with identity crisis, maybe you, you ask yourself, what is my purpose on earth? I don't even know why I exist. Maybe people have told you stuff, and you have believed those stuff that you are nothing. You mount to nothing. You are an accident. You are a waste of space. And all those kind of evil ways people have told you. I want you to, to hold your breath back and say, wait a minute. The Holy Spirit does not come to be dormant in a person. He doesn't come to sit and just sleep, wake up in the morning and have three course meals. The Holy Spirit comes on a person for mission. He comes to empower you so that you understand your purpose, you embrace your identity, and march up to do the impossibles for Jesus Christ. That's why you and I are filled with the Holy Spirit. Let us celebrate the Holy Spirit in our lives this morning. Put your hands together for him. Now, you understand that if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are on a mission. Mm hmm if you have received the Spirit of God, you are on a mission. He has come and is in your life so that he can activate the purpose of God on your life, the core of God on your life, the mission that God has put upon your life. Do I have people are filled with the Holy Spirit in the house? Let me see your wave. Raise your hands and wave them in the air. Hallelujah. Praise the name of God. May God today anoint us 
and activate that boldness of the Spirit in us so that we can march out and reach out for Jesus. We have been called to march out and reach out for Jesus. Wait a minute. Maybe you are saying that, how about me? I don't have the Holy Spirit. I don't think I have received him. I don't, I don't think I, I have the Holy Spirit in me. I want to tell you that you have come to the right place. We are going to pray with you, and we pray that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior and open up your heart to him, the Holy Spirit will come and dwell inside of you, and he will begin to lead you to the will of God, and will begin to reveal what God has for you as a mission. So as a church, we have a mandate, and these mandates, we see them from the last words of Jesus. You know, after Jesus' resurrection, if you are reading this book of Acts, I want you to know that Jesus already has died and is risen and is in heaven and also dwelling in our lives. It was after Jesus rose from the dead that he met his disciples and began to give them a charge. Before he gave them a charge, he started by giving them the promise. The first promise starts with, I'm not leaving you alone, but I'm sending you another of the same kind as I am. I'm sending you a helper who is suitable for you, who will be just like I have been with you. And this helper, when he comes, he's going to fill you with power and he's going to remind you everything that I've spoken to you. When he comes on you and when he fills you with power, then you are going to be my witnesses. They needed the power of the Holy Spirit. They needed the witness of the Holy Spirit because they are going to start their mission in a very crucial and critical religious dominated environment. They are going to start their mission in Jerusalem. Jesus specifies that you are going to be my witnesses to start with in Jerusalem. And he says, do not go away before the Holy Spirit comes. Wait for me in Jerusalem. And when the Holy Spirit comes, you are going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You have to understand what kind of people were in Jerusalem. Let's start. On a nutshell, bigger nutshell, the very people that killed Jesus. <laughs> Isn't that a mission impossible? <laughs> if it is to be done by our own knowledge, eloquence of speech and education and capacity. Those guys had nothing to do with Jesus. He rose the dead. He healed the deaf. He healed the lepers. He, he restored lives to people. And in their full view, these guys saw what Jesus did. But they never wanted to get all those things. They nailed him to the cross. They killed him and said, let his blood be on us and our children and their children. They had nothing to do with what Jesus was offering. And Jesus was sending these guys to the same people. So these are the kind of people in Jerusalem. Number two group of people in Jerusalem were these people that to start with before Jesus came, there was a man who called them brute uh, of vipers. He says certain children. And his name was John the Baptist. He said, you guys are so stone-hearted. You can't believe, you can't see, you have killed the prophets, you have killed children of God, you have killed the messengers, and you want to kill me? You are set and safe, and John the Baptist was kind of a harsh man, but they needed him. <laughs> you know, John the Baptist called them, and this kind of group I'm talking about, it is Pharisees, people that were religious people. Their mind were so sealed, their eyes were so blind, their 
they could not see what God was doing in their community. The Pharisees, they thought they got it all. They understood God in his fullness. Nobody else needed to tell them anything. Not even Jesus, not even John the Baptist. How about Jesus' disciples? Whom they knew, some of them were their servants, the tax collectors. Some of them <laughs> were their servants to catch fish for them. Some of these people had really like poor background. They are not even religious feet. They could not even be given a word or message in the temp, in the temple tabernacle. The Pharisees knew all these 11 folks that Jesus had called for his disciples. They were going to tell them nothing that they could understand that Jesus did not tell them. And they, they chose to not understand. So Jesus knew that in your own power, this is a mission impossible. But when you wait for the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the mission impossible is going to become a mission possible. You are going to achieve it and attain it. You are going to, to, to win for Jesus because the Holy Spirit will give you power. Actually, Jesus went on to say that, guys, it is as easy as not to worry about what you will speak. But when you stand before people, the Holy Spirit will give you utterance. <laughs> I love Jesus. You know, it's so strategic. So Jesus started by giving them this farewell message. And you know, I, you understand with me that the last words are precious, you know? Last words from people that we know are precious. Whether someone you love is going on a short uh, trip or on a long trip, when they tell you some words, they are important. Words like, I love you. Words like, take care of yourself. Words like, you gotta be good now. Words like, you are in charge. You can do it. Be good. Be in charge. Take care of this. When people are going on a, on, on a long or short trip, those words kind of reverberate in our hearts. It kind of motivates us to do what they have commissioned us to do. All right. And, and in this world, we've had words from some of the famous people. We have had words like from, you know, Joseph Edison on his deathbed. He said that, behold the death of a Christian, a death that is worthy living. You know, uh, the, the death that is worth having because I have life ahead of me with Christ Jesus. These were great scientists and great guys in this world. People like Thomas Beckett, before he died, before he was martyred in England, he said that, Lord, I have lived my life in full for you. And I'm so happy and glad that I can come and meet you in person. Words like from people like James Wolfe, a, a British general who was a Christian, who had a, a battle wound in Quebec, and when he was about to die, he said that, Lord, may I see you face to face. And he began to, to charge the people that, you know, the life that is worth living is a life that is lived for a higher purpose. Surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will see how you live your life in full. So we can remember words from these great guys. And some of you maybe have got words from Maybe your parents or maybe your, your, your family members or maybe your mentors or words that you follow from people who are no longer here who are dead. But their words kind of still lives on. Their words kind of give you energy to be able to do certain things in the same area. And I want you to let you know that we have also words that are living words from the master, Jesus Christ, before he went. He began to give us charge and say, guys, I am going now to my father. I'm not leaving you alone. 
but I will be with you in the spirit. I'm no longer going to be with you in flesh, in person, and body like I am today, but I will be with you to the ends of the age. I'm going to be with you in spirit, and I'm sending the Holy Spirit so that you enact, so that you empower you, that you may be witnesses for God, that you may live to fulfill the mission. I want us to see these words in Matthew chapter 28, verse 16 to verse 20. Here's what the Bible says. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, verse 18 says, Okay, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And then the Bible goes on to say, uh, verse 20 says, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You understand that? Everything I have commanded you. And Jesus says, surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want you guys just to let that uh, slide be there. Jesus comes back after his death. The disciples scattered a little bit. And then he, he resurrects after 50 days or after days, according to different understanding. And Jesus appears after living for about 50 days again. Uh, he lived with them, among them, and then before he went, you know, he died first day, second day, and the third day he rose again, and he appeared before so many people. And for about 50 days, Jesus was still on earth and fulfilling the mission and meeting different kind of groups. And he met the disciples in the closure in the room, and here he calls them to a date, to an appointment, to meet with him on the mountain of Galilee. And on this mountain... Jesus begins to give them a charge. He says, oh, the first thing he says, all oh, authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Jesus says, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Surely, he says, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I'm sure in their mind, you know, it starts with the guys, Jesus, it seems as a very uh, unread environment to give such kind of a charge. To me, it seems as it was like, and I want you to picture the, the sin, the sin that was there. Look at the kind of the guys. The Bible says when they worshipped him, some of them did not believe. They doubted in their hearts. That's where we start from. They doubted in their hearts that this was Jesus, the Messiah. All right? Jesus had met them in the room where they had closed the doors because they were afraid of the, Jew, of the Jews, the Pharisees, and all these to come and kill them. They had closed the doors, and Jesus penetrated through the walls and getting them and was in their midst. He says, peace be with you. Do not be afraid. It is me. I am. Jesus says, I am. And then he shows them, and they touched. They confirmed that this was Jesus. And after appearing to some of the guys on their way to a mouse and on different uh, encounters, Jesus appeared to them. And then he tells them to meet him on the mountain of Galilee so that he will give them this charge. And when they came there, some guys did not still believe that he was Jesus. The Bible says they doubted. Some doubted. We don't know how many. <laughs> but some doubted that it was Jesus. 
Still in the midst of doubts, Jesus go on to give them the charge. He says, all authority. I'm sure it was necessary. I want us to break some of those three things that Jesus is focusing on. And I feel that there are important elements about the Great Commission. We need to understand that we are not going there in our own power and strength. There is somebody that is with us. Jesus is with us. The Holy Spirit is with, with us. Jesus says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then he says, go, 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 go therefore and make disciples of all nations. So uh, this go was their mission. The vision of their going was to make disciples of all nations. And if these disciples came to Jesus, they were supposed to teach them everything that Jesus had commanded them. And after that, they were supposed to mark them by baptizing them. Okay. And then there's something that is very important that Jesus says here. He says, lo and behold. He says, surely I am with you to the very end of the age. He's not saying that I am going to be with you. He's not saying that I will be with you. He says that as you embrace the goal, I am. Are you understanding this? He says when you take a step and go to, for, for mission, to witness for me, I am with you. Do you realize that in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus says, where two or three gathers in my name, I am. You know? I love Jesus, what he's doing here. He's so intentional. He's saying that I'm not going to be with you. Even if I go today, I am with you. When you meet together in my name, I am with you in your midst. Jesus is in this place. Jesus is in this place today. He's here pushing the agendas of saving humanity from their depravity, from their death, from their sin, and welcoming them in the kingdom of love, in the kingdom of God, the kingdom that wants to see you and me become better, become like Jesus. He says that I am with you. And he tells the disciples that you are not remaining alone. He starts by telling them they did not understand, they doubted. And then he says that I am, I am here. And I am always going to be here. It is a continuous sense. It's not saying that it's going to end. Jesus is here with us. And he's going to come back in person. So that we, he could take us to him where he is. That we can also be. Jesus is always with us. Some people may be afraid. Like what can I say when I go? It's not about what you need to say. It's not about you knowing what you need to say. If you open up your heart, believe in Jesus, he will give you what you need to say. It's all about Jesus dying, being raised again to life, and Jesus being with us. Hallelujah. He says that, you know, I am with you when you go and make disciples. Teach them. When they obey, baptize them, and I am with you. But you understand that Jesus starts by claiming, the first claim he says, all authority on earth and in heaven has been given to me. Jesus is saying that in heaven we know there is Michael and this group of angels. Jesus says, I have authority even over Michael and this vast group of angels. He's saying about heaven, right? 
And he says that even in the heavenly realm, I have authority over Satan and his group of demons. <laughs> I have authority over them, over power, over rulers, over forces of darkness, whatever in heaven. Jesus is Lord. He is Lord over all. He's got power. He's got authority over them. And he says, even on earth, you and I let us look at what is on earth. Kings and their people, Jesus is Lord over them all. He appoints king and he demotes king. Jesus is God. Jesus has power over everything in heaven and over everything on earth. Over Satan and the angels, over kings and their people. Jesus is the supreme Lord. He's the sovereign Lord. He's Lord of Lord. He's God of God. He's an Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. There's nothing that existed without Jesus. Jesus is so powerful. And yet, look at what he says. Inasmuch as Jesus is powerful, oh, this really makes me want to cry. The creator of heaven and earth, the God who is sovereign, is an intimate God. He says, I am. I want to be with you in person. I am. I want to build a relationship with you. I don't want you to go there alone in your power and strength. I want to be with you. I want to have a relationship with you. He's an intimate God. He's so personal. Oh my God. He's so personal. He's so personal. The people that opens up their heart for Jesus to touch them and use them. Those people, they rewrite histories. Songs will be sung about them. Books will be written about the life that Jesus has transformed. Ask me and I will tell you about people like Moses. Ask me, I will tell you about people like Paul. And we've got all kinds of people in the Bible who had an encounter with God and their lives changed. Jesus want to be so personal with you today. He says, I am. And he's here today with us. He's here today with us. But you know what? The enemy wants us to feel so lonely and alone, forsaken and forgotten in this world. That's a lie. Jesus says, I am. He is with you. There are times when you pass through stuff and you feel like nobody cares for you. Nobody loves you. You are so bad that nobody will ever come to you. That's a lie. Jesus says, the Bible says, if we, we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous to forgive us. And wash us from our unrighteousness. He says, I am. Then he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And with this authority, Jesus is saying, go. I'm sending you guys to go. Go to the ends of the earth. Go, go, go. And you have to understand that if authority has been given to Jesus, it means that no one has an authority. Because all authority comes from him. People like being in power. They like being authority. I like that Jesus did not say that all power has been given to me. He says all authority has been given to me. Because you know what? Power is the ability to do work. Right? But authority is the legal jurisdiction. That is authentically and legally passed on to you. God gave him authority. Legally and authentic. God gave him a, a right of an attorney. He's more than a chief justice. He's got all authority, not all power. The, the power submits to authority. 
Jesus is over powers, he's above rulers, he's above kings and princes and demons and everything. At the mention of his name, or everything will bow down and every time will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. Because all authority belongs to him. He's a supreme ruler. He's God of God. He's, he's, he's amazing. Hallelujah. You know, I'm reminded like in the, in the soccer world, you've got people that are so fast and so powerful. People like Messi, people like Ronaldinho, and all these guys, you know, like my old man Zinedine, you know, you know, Zinedine Zidane, all those guys, you know. These guys are so powerful and they are so fast. But you know what? They don't have authority. One man, no matter how slim, no matter how short, no matter how small he is, he's got only one thing. You know, these guys, the footballers, they've got, you know, like shoes, shoes, shoe contracts, you know, legs, insurances, teeth, insurance. They got all these things protecting them and billions and millions of pounds or dollars as salary. More double than this guy, but this guy in the field has got authority. Do you know his name? A referee with only a whistle. When he blows, no matter how fast Ronaldinho is, you have to stop. No matter how fast Messi is, you have to stop. It doesn't matter how professional. And look at these guys. The referee doesn't have even fun. I don't even know the name of the referees. But I know the names of this football. They've got like billions of soccer fans. Billions of betting people betting on them. But you know what? They only have power. They, have, they don't have authority. When they are in the football ground, the referee has authority. No matter how famous they are, the referee has authority to give them a red card and out they will go. The referee has got authority to give them a yellow card and they will begin to behave. Just with a whistle. Can you imagine what authority can do? And I want to let you know that. Inside of your life, you have got somebody who has got all authority in heaven and on earth. He lives inside of you. When you say no more to the works of darkness, Satan will have to bow down. When you say no more to the powers of darkness, witches will have to bow. You know, why do you fear? Why do we fear? Come on, guys. God is so good. Oh, God is so good. I'm so amazed when I look on earth about how people with authority can do, you know, I'm imagining, look at this big, maybe let me say 25 tons truck that is coming so fast charged. You know, when this truck is charged and so fast, it can even walk on top of other cars without turning over. It is so powerful. And the driver driving behind it, I'm reminded of the old lorries. They've been take off their shade, and it feels so good to drive that big machine. You know, my son calls it a monster truck. <laughs> you know, they drive this thing and it's charging full. It is so powerful. But as much as it's got all these powers, its engines and powers, there's only this one lady who is so not even so immaculate. No matter how she looks, no matter what she is like, it doesn't matter. But when she stands on the road and even look this side and stops the truck, the truck will stop. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how fast it is. The truck has to stop. This, isn't that what we see with the police traffic officers? The road traffic officers? They've got so much power, so much authority. Cars have got power. Those guys have authority from the government to stop whatever car it is they want to stop. 
And the car with its power, it has to use that power to stop and obey to the commands of the traffic officer. Jesus commands authority in heaven and on earth over powers, over kingdoms, over kings, over forces. Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of all. From the beginning to the end, Jesus will be Lord. He is God and nothing, nothing, no matter what. Jesus is like, this is a, this is a declaration of war, actually. He says, all authority has been given to me. Jesus is declaring war to the people who opposes him. <laughs> he says that, guys, watch out. I'm sending my people out there. You know, you have to be reminded that I've got all authority. And Jesus is leading with us. So, guys, when you go out to witness for Christ, know that he is with you. Hallelujah. He is with us. He is in person with us. You know, Ephesians, Paul says something to Ephesians, to the Ephesians church in chapter 1, verse 18, and uh, verse, uh, verse, uh, up to verse 22. This is what Paul says. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope which he has called you. And that's my prayer to you today. I pray that the eyes of your understanding may be opened, that you may see and that you may understand the hope to which God has called you as his church. He says that not only that, also the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. You are God's holy people. And you God's peculiar people, a kingdom of priests and kings. We are chosen and called to be God's own people. And there's so much riches in his, in his glorious inheritance. And his incomparable great powers, great power over us. Jesus protects us day and night. He is with us to the end of the age. He's never going to leave us. He's not going even to forsake us. Not even once. And the second thing Jesus gives us is the command. Therefore, obey the commission. Go and make disciples of all nations. And Jesus says, you have to make disciples all the way to the ends of the earth. You have been sent from Jerusalem. You know, this mission is as small as your neighborhood, your family, and your local neighborhood. And it is as big as global mission to the ends of the earth. This is not a mission that is like, I can choose it at my discretion. It's like, this is not what works for me. This is what works for me. No matter where Jesus has placed you, he has called you to be his witness. The end of the earth could start in your family and it could end even at your working place. If you are a representative of Christ in your working place, you got to do it right. Because that's your vision, that's your mission field. If he has called you to become an evangelist and move on to the ends of the world, go on and begin to move countries and nations and witness for him. If he has called you maybe to be a church pastor and begin to equip and shepherd people and send them out, that's your mission field. Equip them. If he has called you maybe to an institution of lecturing and teaching and preparing and equipping people for leadership to be able to go on to the ends of the earth, that's your mission field. Maybe some of you, he has called you in a music career. You have to sing right stuff and witness to millions of people. Some of you, he has called you to working in the government, in parastate, or in, you know, in, in uh, NGOs, in clerical, and in all these places you've got. Maybe the duties of a king or priest, you go on. 
and witness for Jesus. Because he's saying that I am with you. I am with you. Wherever he sends you, he is with you. Not he will be with you. He is with you. You know what? God does not demand from us what he has not given us. If God is demanding something from you, it's because he has invested in you. He has commanded you to make disciples. You know, every faithful disciple makes disciples. If you are a Christ's disciple and you are obedient, you have to make disciples. That's the kingdom uh, mandate. A disciple has to make disciples. Some of you, when I'm talking about disciples, you're just thinking about, you're just thinking about, oh, teaching them the word, teaching them this. It could start as using the skill that you have. Mentor and empower people with your skills. And when they begin to learn those skills, they begin to watch to you. Because disciples, they obey and follow and become like their teachers. That's what these guys were. In Antioch, they were called the followers of the way. Because they looked, they talked, they spoke, they did like Jesus. And people say they are Christ-like. They are followers of Christ. Because they spoke, they did like Christ. And when God has given you a skill in you, and you are doing that skill, you are empowering and mentoring and raising other people with your skill, they are going to be like you. They are going to talk like you. They are going to do everything like you do. But it is just shame if you are not like Christ. Because whose model are you giving them? But if you are like Christ, when they want to be like you, they will become like Christ. Isn't what Paul says, imitate me? Because he does what? He imitates Christ. So you are supposed to imitate Jesus so that people may imitate you. They will not imitate Christ. They have not seen. They have only heard about him. But when they see Christ living inside of you, when they see your life transformed and changed and become like Jesus Christ, they want to imitate Jesus. Because when people see, when they touch, they learn better than when they hear. That's why Jesus is saying, I am. He's not saying, I will be. He's the, he's the same yesterday. He's the same today. He's the same tomorrow and forever. He never changes. He is. He's the I am. Why are you afraid of witnessing for Jesus? Or maybe the question is, what are you doing with the skills, with, the, with what God has put in your heart? A challenge to you is how many people have you empowered with what God has put in your life? Are you waiting until when you hear from God, oh, my son, you got to go now with a loud voice and heaven opened. God has done that once. God does not repeat patterns. He's got billions of patterns to do things. Maybe you are watching for God to do it this way. God can do it anyways because all authority has been given to him. It is his. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are we doing with skills that God has given to us? I like what Paul says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 19 to 21. You know what Paul says? He's washing, he's throwing a ball back in our court. Paul is saying that, I serve the Lord with great humility and with tears. And in the midst of severe testing by the plots of my Jewish opponents. Then in verse 20, Paul says, listen to this. You know that I am not hesitated to preach anything. That would be helpful to you. But I have taught you publicly and from house to house. Then verse 21, he says, I have declared to both Jews and Greeks 
that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In short, Paul is saying that I am not guilty of anyone's blood. If you do not do God's work, it's not because you have not heard the gospel. It's because you have chosen not to do what God wants you to do. And you know what? In short, he's saying that let the blood, your own blood, be upon you. Because you know what? When you have not heard the gospel, you are innocent and free. But when you hear the gospel, you are guilty if you do not do it. Because God will demand from you that which you have heard. What did you do with what God gave you? Imagine if all of us could do just something about Christ. Imagine if all of us could just begin to transfer skills that we have in other people. Imagine if all of us could act. Maybe God has given you hospitality or acts of service and all these kind of gifts and skills in you. To go and witness for him. What are you doing about it? What are you doing about it? Maybe you're saying that, no, 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 I'm tired. I feel I am alone. You know, God has given us the promise. And the promise, he says, I am with you to the ends of the earth. Listen. The gospel of Matthew, in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, starts with a promise. God is saying the virgin will conceive and she will bear a son. And his name will be God is with us. In the Hebrew word called Emmanuel. Are you with me? In Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, the Bible says the virgin will bear a child, will be pregnant, bear a child, and the child will be male, and the child will be named Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's a promise that we are waiting for. And then behold, the end, the very end chapter of the gospel of Matthew, that's why I like this guy. The end of the chap chapter of Matthew, it says, Jesus declares and says, I am. Go to the ends of the world. I am. Emmanuel is here. He says, I am with you. It starts with a promise and it ends with a promise fulfilled. That I am with you. Jesus is with us. When we obey, Jesus is with us. When we go, Jesus is with us. Is there something in your body that is limiting you from experiencing him? I want you just to raise up your faith today and pray to him and say, God, heal this sickness of mine. It's limiting me from standing and going. God, may you help me. I am hurt and broken. I want to go and reach out for you. God is inviting you and me to go, to fight on. To save on, to pray on, to preach on, because he is with us. Andreas, let us continue mentoring people with the skills God has given us. Let us not be tired of doing what is good. God is, God is so good that you take care of our worries. Natasha, it's no time to give up. It's time to stand and forge ahead. Because God is promising to be with us. He is with us. Where is Alexis? Alexis, God is with us. God is with you. Pick up yourself and march on and move on. God is saying, is he wants to make the young people in this generation to look to you and check what God is able to do 
to people that have given themselves for him. But you know what? The enemy comes in most of the time and drains us of energy and strength that we may not reach out for God, that we may not stand and have that courage to reach for God. But you know what? Those are lies. Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. He is with us. He is with us. He is with you. Nancy, God is saying he loves you so much. He watches over you every day, every time. The kind of love that God has for you. I don't even know what I can explain. You know, people may have done stuff. People may hate us. People may feel us forsaken and lonely and as if we, we, never, we never exist. But you know, we are so important to God. God loves you. He always is with you. He always is with you. March on. Move on. Leah, you are like a tool in God's hand. He want to use you for his glory. Do not allow anything to draw you back. God wants to shoot you like an arrow in the places where he wants you to shine. And bring the light. God wants you to stand up and stand tall. In the places where God has placed you. You may be in places of work where it's so difficult even for the voice to be heard. Because there are many people with authority and stuff like that. But God is saying to let you know that you are his ambassador, his agent, right placed in a place where you are. To shine for him. Do not allow anyone to put up that fire. Allow God to shine through your life. Guys, God is with us. He is Emmanuel. Jesus is with us. I want you to stand up on your feet today, this morning. And I want you to begin to declare on your life something. I just want you to close up your eyes. And just allow God. Allow just this message to resonate in your heart. And invite Jesus. Invite the Holy Spirit to come and touch you. Because he has promised to be with us. And I want to invite you. If you feel like you can't break through on your own. Feel free to move up in front here. Just walk here. And allow Jesus to touch you. We've got leadership team. They are going to come and pray with you. They are going to come and break through with you. If you feel like there is a ceiling. I want you to take an act of faith. An act of obedience to the word of God. And just stand here. And allow God to touch you. But I want you to close up your eyes where you are. If you are marching on, come on and come in front. Jesus is inviting you. Not I standing here. I don't have any authority. Jesus has over your life. And is inviting you to come and bath in him. To come and bath in the Holy Spirit. To come and be anointed afresh. We thank you, Jesus. Come on, just where you are, begin just to thank him. Begin to invite him. Begin to ask him to touch you. Begin to ask him to come and touch your life again. To come and renew you. Say, yes, Lord. I know you are with me. Yes, Lord. I want to embrace and receive your love for me. Jesus is with you. The Holy Spirit is here with us. Come on, just start, take that step of faith and walk here in front. Jesus wanna encounter you. He's an intimate God. He wants to go intimate with you. He wants to build on that relationship with you. It takes a step of faith, ladies and gentlemen, to obey him, to follow him. As you walk up here in front, you are taking that step and say, God, I want to move out of my comfort zone. Lord, 
not owned by my power, but I act. I want to move out of my limitations. I want to move out of that fear, of that anxiety, of that troubleness. I want to move out of that limitation, Lord. I want to move out of that sicknesses and whatever reasons and claims that are upon my life, whatever is limiting me. Lord, I want to move out of them because I want to encounter you and I want to move on with you, Lord. Let us lift up our hands if we are there. Lift up our hands. Oh, thank you.